Well, friends, I am so excited to be back, and I have a very special guest here with me in the room right now. Could you introduce yourself? My name is Rachel French. That's right. Rachel is joining us once again on the podcast. Rachel, are you excited about today? I'm always excited to be on the podcast. It's super fun. Well, I'm honored to have you here. And this is going to be a great episode because today we are talking about guidelines, a Bible study on outward holiness. This is going to be a two-part episode, and we can't wait to share it with you. I am your host, Nathan French. And I'm your co-host, Rachel French. And this is the Noteworthy Podcast. Let's go. friends thank you so much for tuning back into the podcast i know that it has been a minute we've taken a couple weeks of a break and it's just been crazy getting ready for camps but uh, rachel i'm so excited to be doing this podcast with you today how do you feel i feel good this is going to be fun this is something i know we're both really passionate about and i'm excited to dive in on this and share revelations that we've received think it'll help somebody it's gonna be so much fun because we're gonna kind of peel back some of the layers and just before we dive into this I just kind of want to share our heart is if you know us you know that we're youth pastors and we really started feeling the Lord convicting us lately to begin to teach more on outward holiness we talk about Mm -hmm. inward holiness all the time in our youth class and um Rachel, I'm going to get super honest with the listeners right now, but okay. <laughs> I um, I definitely fell prey to the excuse that many youth pastors fall to and when it came to outward holiness, and Rachel can attest to this, that this is true, I've said it many times in our home, that um, as a youth pastor, you know, I'm not the pastor, so I'm going to let the pastor teach on that because I don't want to overstep, and of course, that is true. I'm not the pastor, but the Lord really started convicting me, and the Holy Ghost began to speak to me and say, but you could help him fight this battle. That's right. Our pastor does an amazing job. Yes. And they, I mean, our leadership teaches holiness. They preach holiness. They live holiness. It's an amazing thing that we have in our church, but we definitely needed to... Um hit at home in a youth class. Right. Yeah. For sure. I'll never forget feeling that voice, you know, you could help him fight this battle. And I'm like, okay, Lord. Well, so we started digging in and uh, trying to put together a, a youth Bible study that focuses on outward holiness. And we're so excited to share it with you on yes. the podcast today. I want to start with Psalm 25 and 8. It says, good and upright is the Lord. 
therefore will he teach the sinners in the way. The meek he will guide in judgment, and the meek he will teach his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. Another scripture here, Psalm 73 and 4, it says, Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. Now, I want you to remember that word counsel because we're going to talk about that again in just a few moments. And of course, Hebrews 12, 14, this one might be more familiar to you. Rachel, could you read that one for us? Hebrews 12 and 14. Yes, it says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Okay, so the purpose of this podcast today is to define lines of outward holiness. So this is the focus of the podcast. Now, I've said this in youth class, and I'll say it here now. None of these outward holiness guidelines would matter if you didn't have inward holiness, right? Like you could be, you could dress right and do everything right in that way and not have inward holiness. Right, right, right. And that's just a true fact that that's where a lot of people are at. But the point is, of course, we know that we have to have inward holiness, but the focus of this Bible study is what does God expect from us on the outside when it comes to outward holiness. In order to wholly live a life of holiness, there are guides that we must follow. So there are three guides that I want you to focus on right now. Sometimes God leads us with commandments. Other times he leads us with conviction. And sometimes he chooses to lead us with counsel. Commandments are God's word. Conviction is God's spirit. Counsel is God's man. Those who find the way of holiness have to be willing to listen to all three. Now, I know this can be hard for some of us, but some holiness guidelines are written straight from God's word, a commandment. That's This is like, thou shalt not kill, right? Like, even if we had differing opinions, we probably could all agree on that. Thou shalt not kill. Now, sometimes the Spirit of God will convict us and lead us to holiness by pricking our heart and stirring our conscience. That is when we have conviction settle in. But the hardest one for a lot of us in this culture, because we struggle with submission, is that some holiness standards come from the counsel and the discretion of your pastor and the spiritual leadership in your life. It's important if you're going to live a life of outward holiness that you have to learn how to follow all three of these guides commandments, conviction, and counsel. And if you'll follow these guides, you're going to be walking in the right direction. You're going to be walking in the path that leads to holiness. The Bible says all the paths of the Lord are mercy and true. So Rachel, let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like when you say the word guideline that it's almost like frowned upon, like it's a downer if you say the word guideline? Oh, yeah, for sure. When I hear the word guideline, I don't know if it's just a learned, you know, behavior kind of thing where my immediate thought is rules and regulations. 
And so, you know, kind of like um, <laughs> you read guidelines for, we have youth camp coming up. So, you know, you have to follow the guidelines there. And it sounds like rules or, or standards, you know, that you have to live up to. And so I definitely think that that's my immediate thought when I hear the word. Right. Any Anybody that's served in ministry for a while has handed that camp form to a student and started reading the guidelines to them, and they're like, what is this? What is this talking about? And, um, you know, here we are right on camp season. It's been on our hearts, but um, maybe maybe you read some guidelines on a fall retreat registration form, and you wondered, why are these on here? What do they mean? Well, we're going to be talking about that uh where do these guidelines come from? Where do some of these outward holiness standards come from as an apostolic? So the definition of a guideline means a general rule, principle, or a piece of advice. So I need to drive this home before we mm-hmm. answer any questions. Guidelines are not a bad thing. Right. <laughs> okay, right. so some people... <laughs> even hire a guide on vacations and tours to help show them the way. They have somebody that says, can you help us experience this place to the fullest? That's what a guide does. Guidelines help show us the way. They help us get to our desired destination so that we can experience things at another level. We're all trying to get to heaven, and we're all trying to find the way. And we're not going to be able to do it if we don't have any guidelines in our life. But watch this. There's another definition for a guideline that I've been nerding out about lately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's my favorite. I'm like, man, this is so cool because I've never thought about it this way. And uh, we're going to be answering a couple questions about does God care what we wear and does God care about gender? We're going to jump into that uh, in just a minute. But before we do that, I want to give you a visual picture of the second definition of a guideline, because the second definition is a line by which one is guided. It was July 2018 when uh, a junior association football team was rescued from a cave in northern Thailand. Rachel, do you remember seeing any of this on the news? I do. It was a really big deal. It was a big deal. Like, football team... Uh, trapped in a cave. It was all over the news back in yeah, 2018. And uh, I mean, National Geographic has done documentaries on it. Um, there's a whole documentary called The Rescue about it. Really, really fascinating. And um, the floodwaters had trapped these young kids in a cave. And there were two British divers named John Volenthin and Richard Stanton and they found a group alive on an elevated rock about 2.5 miles into the cave. The entire rescue had to be conducted underwater. Now, for people that are claustrophobic like me, this is an absolute nightmare because the divers stated that the murky waters were impossible to see through once they were in the cave. Divers would take a rope that they would call a guideline, and they would tie it to the mouth of the cave. This line stayed in their hand the whole way through the cave Mm -hmm. because they had a rule, 
you do not let go of this line because this shows you the way back to safety. They had two rules. Don't run out of oxygen and don't let go of the rope, no matter what. And 12 boys and their coach were rescued because divers knew the importance of a guideline. They knew how to retrace their course. Now, I'm telling you this because when we apply that to our lives, it's a murky world out there. It's hard to see the way. Let's just face it. It's crazy out there, guys. And (laughs) with a guideline in our hand, we can pull our way back to where safety is found. And holiness and standards separate us from the world. And we can be a part of this great rescue mission to share the gospel if we hold the line. So, Rachel, the way I want to approach this is we're going to address a couple of these outward holiness standards, um, these things that we teach as apostolics. And we're going to do that by just answering them as a question. So I'm going to define guidelines by answering these questions. So the first question, are you ready? I'm ready. Does God care what we wear? Mm -hmm. That's the first question when it comes to outward holiness. And I've heard that question a lot over my life. Um, Absolutely. God absolutely cares about what we wear. And I'm thankful for this revelation that I had um, about modesty. And it's this. God disagreed with the immodesty of Adam and Eve. Wow. So I want to read this passage. It's a few verses, so bear with me. But it's in Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to start at verse 6. And it says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and so, well, just to back up a little bit, uh, we're talking about Eve here. Um, Adam and Eve, you know, they were in the Garden of Eden. They were told they could eat of of the fruit of every tree of the garden except one. And here comes the serpent. And he uh, manipulates Eve Mm. into eating from that one tree. Wow. He was really conniving about it. Um, There's a, you know, we could have a whole lesson on the fact that the serpent manipulated Eve and then Eve influenced her husband. We could talk about that. But we're not going to today. Maybe we'll do a whole nother podcast okay. in the future. But you got it. Anyways, okay, let me jump back into this. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her. And he did eat. And the eyes of both were opened and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that? Who told you you were naked? 
Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou should not have eaten of? Unto Adam also, skipping down to verse 21, and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothed them. So notice here, Adam and Eve made themselves clothes. It was, it was called aprons, made themselves, made themselves aprons. And God disagreed with that. He said, no, 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 no. And he made them coats and clothed them. Wow. That's just so mind-blowing to me. So we see right at the beginning of the Bible, back in Genesis, yeah. we see <clears throat> God's views on modesty once sin has entered yeah. the scene. We, right. we see how things have changed. And so you see Adam and Eve, they make themselves aprons, and God says, uh, this is Genesis 3.21, by the way, if you need to look it up. Adam also unto his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. Yeah. So God did not consider the aprons to be for them to be clothed. They were not considered fully clothed until he had made coats for them. So we see right. this first time in Scripture, God's view of outward modesty now that sin has entered the picture. Right. So amazing. Right. So Adam and Eve, they they clothed them, themselves in what they felt was enough, you know, what they were comfortable in. Like they clothed themselves until they were comfortable, and then God took it a whole extra step. And I think that's really important for us to note that just because we may wear something that we're comfortable in, God may may say, no, that's not enough. And he wow. wanted it to go even further. You can jump into the next chap- chapter, uh, not chapter, book, sorry. Um, and here's another um, revelation of does God care what we wear that I want to share. And it's this. God gave specific guidelines to his priests. And so Exodus, very next book, Exodus 28, 42, it says, And thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness from the loins, even unto the thighs they shall reach. So this means that they were to wear pants under the robes that they were already wearing. And, that's uh, part of where we see, um, you know, the distinction of the way men were to dress at that time. We're talking about the priests right now. God intended for our clothing to cover our hips, our abdomen, and our thighs. So as a part of the New Testament church, you and I are, you know, we're children of God. And he expects the same modesty from us. A woman's dress should at least cover the knee. Why the knee? Because where does your thigh end? It, it ends in the middle of your knee. The femur bone, your thigh meets the tibia, the bone in the lower leg, in the middle of your kneecap where your leg bends. So to have your thigh covered... Your knee should be covered beyond the halfway mark. So that means when you're sitting 
and when you're standing, your knees are covered. Wow. That's a standard. So to right set. in the book of Exodus, you can see, um, which actually I, I've heard Raymond Woodward teach on this scripture before, and he he really pulls it out in such an amazing way. But when you see the covering of the legs, or you see, okay, why to the knee? We take that directly from Exodus twenty-eight and verse forty-two. And uh, I think it's important to just kind of pause here and say that everything that Rachel and I uh, are going to mention in this series on outward holiness that we're calling guidelines is only what we could take directly from the scripture. None of this is like, you know, now there are some things like pastoral discretion, things like that. We are not answering those questions on the podcast today. We are focusing on what can be taken directly from the scripture and is applied to outward holiness when it comes to being a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. Right, right, right. And even to add to that a little bit, because just to, I guess, back up a little bit, we're talking about the priest and wearing pants underneath their robes. And for that reason, you know, we're, we're talking about the fact that men had to stay modest. And so if there was a reason that their robes were longer and and getting in the way of working, you know, they're working out in a field, then if they needed to tuck their robes into their pants, then they were still modest. And so uh, we're talking about um, even a separation of gender here um, where God gave a rule to the priest, hey, um, you're wearing a robe, but hey, put put pants on underneath it. That right. that's important. Wow. And so talking about separation here, that's the next point. God cares about separation. Do you want to cover that one? Jump into numbers. Sure, I'll jump in. So <laughs> walk in an order here. We've talked about Genesis, Exodus. Let's talk about numbers for a second. Numbers fifteen and thirty-seven. The Lord said to Moses. Speak to the Israelites and say to them, throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corners of your garments with the blue cord on each tassel. I think I could rock a outfit like that, don't you? (laughs) Anyway, okay, verse 39. You will have these tassels to look at, and so you will remember all the commands of the Lord, that you may obey them and not prostitute yourselves by chasing after the lust of your own hearts and eyes. So we see right here uh, in Numbers that the clothes that God asked the Jewish people to wear were different, and they were different on purpose. Here's why. To set them apart. God's people have always been different and set apart. They were visibly different. We're talking about outward holiness here. People could visibly look at them. They were recognizable in whatever culture or society that they lived in. God has always called his people to be separate from the world. We have been given a great privilege. We are his set-apart people, members of a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Mm -hmm. And so... That's a little bit of of, uh, Old Testament for you, but we can also begin to step into the New Testament because 
that's us, right? We're New Testament yeah. Christians. Right. And let's see what the Bible says about how women should dress. And Rachel, I'm going to let you take this in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Okay, so 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says, In like manner also, that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. And then first Peter chapter three verses three and four says, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. And I want to add really quick, this verse um, is used sometimes when someone is is trying to say, see, um, God's not worried about uh, uh, the outside as much. He wants your beauty to come from the inside. But the truth is, he does care. He He isn't saying, um, your beauty should not come from outward adornment. You can wear what you want. You can look how you want. As a matter of fact, we go back to the verse in Numbers. It says, um, you know, he called them to be separate, remembering all, uh, to remember all the commandments of the Lord, that you may obey them and not prostitute yourself. Another version says to defile yourself wow. by chasing after the lust of your own heart and eyes. And I think that that's important to remember that God, God set that standard a long time before that. It's not saying, uh, it's not a free pass for immodesty. It's um, it's drawing lines. Hey, your beauty should not come from you dressing and wearing the most elaborate things and drawing all this attention to yourself, that it should be of your inner self, Un- unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit and the outward should reflect that which is on the inward the word adornment means the way we decorate ourselves it's kind of like hanging an ornament on a tree or something you know the bible tells us that the best things to wear do not draw attention to our outward appearance and does this mean i have to sell my pink tuxedo or do you think i could still keep that you know if you want to wear your pink tuxedo i'm sure that you will not draw attention to yourself in any way shape or form <laughs> okay all right good just make it sure. uh, i didn't know this lesson would step on my well toes. you know i gave that to goodwill last week when i cleaned our closet out so so oh, there's two ways to look at this with that said <laughs> mm-hmm. is what you are wearing drawing attention to your body at first glance the first thing people see when they see you what are they seeing what are their eyes drawn to and why for what reason um, another way to think about it is it you know it can be modest and still drawing attention in a really distracting way again for what reason is what you're wearing producing pure thoughts in yourself and in others around you and sometimes that can be really hard to think about what other people 
are thinking around you, especially, okay, I'll just go ahead and say this, especially as a girl, because girls are not as visual as guys. So there are things that girls may wear that you may not think twice about it, but a guy definitely will. Right. And that's important to keep in mind. It, it is up to us to think about those things and to be intentional when we're getting dressed every single day. What kind of attention am I drawing? Even if you don't mean to, is it unintentionally drawing attention to yourself? Wow. Man, that's so good. That's so good. Every time you leave the house and you have to remember that that you're a representative of the kingdom. That's right. That you're a reflection of Jesus Christ. So take some time and look in that mirror and say, am I representing him through the beauty of holiness today? And or or am I wearing something that that draws attention to to unpure thoughts or draws right. attention to myself instead of giving glory to him? And this is something that will change your life. Now, Rachel, I'm going to let you ask the second question for the audience. We're only going to answer two questions on this part one today. Rachel, what's the next question that's going to correlate with Outward Homes? So this one is a good one. I hope everybody is ready for this one because you might want to pull out a notebook or your notes app on your phone, whatever you need to do. Does... God care about gender. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> he does. God cares <laughs> about gender. And this is such an important thing to talk about. Rachel and I really feel burdened to address this. Yeah, we really this, do. Especially when it comes to outward holiness. So a um, couple questions that we need to ask. So why a skirt or a dress? Right? Why are pants not considered modest or appropriate for girls? Why shouldn't a guy wear a dress if he wants? Well, um, Deuteronomy 22 and 5 says, The woman shall not wear that which pertains to a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. Now, that's a Really serious word. If you ever see the word abomination in your Bible, you want to take a break and you want to pay attention. Um, Women did not wear pants in biblical times or in Jewish culture. Just an interesting fact here. Even in North American culture, women did not start wearing pants until World War I, between 1914 and 1918, when civilian women took over jobs traditionally held by, you guessed it, men, because the men were at war. My point being that for our culture, pants on women and men in skirts is actually considered somewhat normal, but a hundred years ago, this was not considered normal or common, even in North America. You can even see this... um, with the culture, even with like Hollywood. Like if you go back to the 1940s, the 1950s, when you see sitcoms like, um, like the Andy Griffith show in the sixties, things like that. Um, you really never saw women wearing pants until later in the sixties. So even in the culture, you can see that this is a very current phenomenon in North America. 
Malachi 3 and 6 says that for I am the Lord, I change not. God didn't change his mind on modesty just because the culture changed or wars began and women put on what their husbands wore to work in the factories. God did not change the culture we did. Right. Humanity changed the culture. God doesn't want the clothing we put on our bodies to cause gender confusion. I'm going to let you take it for yeah, a second. Yeah, I Rachel. mean, just backing up to what you were saying about how uh, our culture has normalized uh, pants on women and men in skirts. The truth is, is that they still haven't quite normalized men in dresses or skirts. It's still looked at as awkward in most cases, but it's taken, it took years to normalize pants on women. And that was successful because culture normalized it. And so now uh, the culture is working very hard to normalize um, gender-neutral clothing across the board. And there is very much an agenda behind that. And they're working hard to do that. Um, You know, here's the thing. The Bible calls pants breeches, and these were worn only by men for centuries. All the Georgia people know what (laughs) britches <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Right? I, I grew up that. in the north so i didn't know oh, yeah, that no, a lot no, no, but I, rachel grew up here in britches <laughs> i absolutely heard that pull your britches up that's um <laughs> you know that was not uncommon for my brother to hear pull your britches up and uh but those were worn only by men for centuries in bible days men and women wore long robes and men sometimes wore shorter ones like i said earlier they wore shorter robes, and then when they needed to, they could pull those robes up and tuck them into their pants. And it may make sense when you hear, uh, when you read the Bible verse that says, uh, girding up your loins, that's something that men did. It meant that they were, they were tucking those robes into their, their breeches. Um, You know, it was, it was just one of those things. Um, I think it's important that we Pull out the verse in Genesis 2. Genesis, I mean, uh, also, <laughs> Genesis 1, uh, verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and, and female, female created, created he, them. he them. Yes. He was very specific. He is still very specific in how he creates humans. Male and female. Yeah. And if you're listening today and and you've had the culture confusing you, I just want to be a voice that reminds you that God did not make a mistake when he made you. You are That's right. beautifully and wonderfully made in his image. And Genesis tells us male and female created he them. So guys, we're going to hit pause on this because we have a lot farther to go and there's no way we could get through it in one podcast. So a couple things here. We're going to take a two week break from the podcast because of youth camps. camps. So it's going to be a couple of weeks before Rachel and I can sit down and do this again. 
But next time on Noteworthy, in a couple weeks, we're going to answer the questions, does God care about hair? Does God care about piercings and jewelry? And then lastly, does God care about alcohol and substances? These are all questions we're going to answer pertaining to living a life of outward holiness. Rachel, would you pray over our listeners today and just bless us as we close out this podcast? Yeah. Lord, thank Thank you you, for this day. Thank you, God, for resources like this where we get to share the word, we get to hear the word. I pray, Lord, over every listener that you will cover their minds right now and cover their hearts. Help them to receive your word. Lord, we thank you for conviction. We thank you, God, for allowing us to feel convicted when we need it, because that means that you are working in us and you are speaking to us. You're giving us revelation. And I pray right now that you would help us to receive your word as it is and to believe in it, to stand by it, to stand on the word of God, to stand for truth every single day. We want to be kingdom minded and not culturally minded. We want to be kingdom minded. I pray God that you would just let your presence fill the the place where every listener is right now, whether they're at home, in their car, whatever they're doing right now, just let your presence take over in their hearts. Worshiping God. Help us God to be more like you. We want to walk in your will. We want to be who you want us to be, who you've called us to be, who you created us to be. Help us do that in Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Noteworthy Podcast. We can't wait to share part two with you. It's going to be amazing. Remember that guidelines aren't a bad thing. No matter what the culture's been telling you, they're going to help lead you home. We love you guys. We'll see you next week.